0: I'm sure some of you have heard the phrase, the prosperity gospel. Have you heard that phrase before? It's kind of been a a buzz phrase over the years. It's been a polarizing phrase sometimes. And I'm not here to get into the prosperity gospel. I'll simply say this about it. The Bible says God is for us. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, right? And in John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you have it to the fullest. So I I believe God has an abundant, a prosperous, a radiant life for all of you. They didn't get that in the first service. They didn't understand. So hopefully you're following with me. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today, okay? I'm not here to talk about prosperity. I've entitled this message, The Propelling Gospel. The Propelling Gospel. I'm here to talk about how we can propel, progress, move forward the gospel. Because people need to hear the good news, amen? Amen. I want to remind us how we can carry the gospel forward in our lives to those around us. We're going to look at the passage this morning of the rich young ruler. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 19. We'll have it on the screen for you as well. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16, says this. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I'm sure many of you have heard this passage before analyzed it so many different ways, dissected it different ways. Today, I want us to look at the story through the mistakes of the rich young ruler. And I want us to look at these mistakes and learn what we should be focused on in life. What matters most? In being followers of Jesus, we are commissioned to carry the good news with us in our lives. The ruler asked three questions. So we're going to take this one question at a time. Looking back at verse 16, he says, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? The man's problem actually starts with his very first question. He came to Jesus asking, What must I do to have eternal life? What do I have to accomplish in order to obtain what you have, Jesus? That's what this man was asking. But his question exposed a false pretense That he thought there was something he could do, there's something he could do to earn his discipleship. That he could earn his spot in the kingdom of God. And I want to remind us as we are ambassadors for Christ and we wish to propel the good news of Jesus Christ forward. Number one, the gospel is propelled by obedience, not striving. Obedience, not striving. The man asked, what good deed must I do? There's not one thing you can do in this lifetime that will gain you access to the kingdom of God. And some of you need to be released from this burden of striving to prove yourself because you can't earn this. The good news of the gospel starts with the bad news that you can't do this on your own. There's no amount of striving that will propel the gospel forward. In fact, not only does our striving not propel the gospel, It can actually stifle the gospel. Sometimes we as Christians act like gatekeepers for the kingdom of God. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we put up barriers, walls, obstacles that we expect people to hurdle over in order to be part of our Christian kingdom club. And no one asked us to do this. Jesus never asked us to do this. But we act like we're in charge of policing these unwritten Christian rules. These rules that say before you can join our Christian club, uh, you, you can only watch the Hillsong channel. Or you can only watch The Chosen. Maybe you can watch a little bit of The Voice or The Mass Singer if you're careful. You know what I'm saying? We can get nostalgic here. We can say, no, we don't watch Batman. We watch Bible Man. Right? We watch The Donut Man. Uh, Adventures in Odyssey. If, if you know what I'm talking about, you know. If, if not, I'm sorry. It, you just, I can't explain it all to you. 90s Christian kids upbringing type of stuff. But some of you, some of you might be thinking, Matt, what are you getting at? Are you saying as Christians we can just watch whatever we want, say whatever we want, do whatever we want? No, no, of course not. But those decisions are made not in order to gain anything from Jesus. They're made to express our love for Jesus. The more that we get around Jesus, the more we want to be like him. But Jesus never denied access to anyone based on their merits. And the gospel has never relied on our goodness. So if we want to propel the gospel forward, we have to be willing to talk to people and reach people that don't act like us, don't look like us. Because the gospel was meant for everyone. Look at how Jesus responded to this man. He said in verse 17, he said, why ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep The commandments. Jesus is saying, what does this have to do with goodness? This doesn't have to do with good. It has to do with following what I've placed in front of you. Because God has the plan, right? He intends to partner with you and me to propel his mission, his message forward. And our starting point for obedience is his word. What does his word say? I want to ask you a question this morning. Are there moments when you catch yourself attempting to strive for access to the kingdom have you been trying to get god's attention by your works and by your striving god isn't interested in your striving he's interested in your obedience listen you could do a whole list of things that would be considered good right you could make a list of a dozen different things but if you don't take time to ask god what he wants you to do and be obedient to his will, you could miss out on one thing he asked you to do that would be more impactful than a dozen things that you come up on your own. The gospel is propelled by obedience, not striving. The second question the man asked, he asked simply, which ones? He asked, which commandments are you talking about? And then Jesus lists them out, right? He says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie honor your parents, love your neighbor as yourself, right? He lists out six commandments. What do all those commandments have in common? How to love others, right? I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a coincidence which commandments Jesus picked out. I don't think he was just deciding, uh, you know, whatever commandments. I think he was specific in which commandments he was pointing out. Because I think he was putting pressure on this man's area of life that he needed to grow in. Does God ever do that to you? Does he ever put pressure in an area where you need to grow in? Don't we love that word pressure? Have you ever been to the dentist and they're working on you and say, you're going to experience a little bit of pressure right now. And then they do whatever and you want to jump out of the chair and say, that wasn't pressure. Whatever you call that, that's not pressure. What that felt like to me was pain. What you have defined as pressure, I would define in my, fe- in my face as pain. Talk about pressure. That's not pressure. Sometimes we all felt pressure in our lives, and it can be painful, but sometimes God puts pressure in areas in our lives that we need to grow in. Maybe there's someone at work that is putting pressure on you, and you need to have a little bit more grace for them. Maybe there's a child in your house, don't raise your hand, maybe there's a child in your house that you need some patience extended for, and they're putting pressure on you. There's a pressure point that can cause pain. But when that pain is released, there's growth. There's improvement. I believe that Jesus was intending to point out an area of weakness for this man. And Jesus has a tendency of doing this. If you remember the story of the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, go and tell your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right, you've had five, and the, woman, or the man you're with now is not your husband. Jesus knew that before he said that to her. Jesus was putting pressure on an area in that woman's life. In the same way, I believe he was putting pressure on this young ruler's life. But what did this man say? He said in verse 20, I've obeyed all these commandments. Now, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to venture to guess that he was not truly following these commands as Jesus intended him to. I think he was keeping him in keeping them in a way that made made them righteous in his own eyes. I think he kept the commandments in a way that selfishly elevated his appearance of doing good. Because we can follow the commandments by by the rule, but remember Jesus in the gospel, he said over and over, he said, the Bible says don't murder, but if you hate somebody, you are murdering them in your heart. If you look upon a woman to lust after her, you are committing adultery in your heart. It's not just the rules, but the heart behind it, the intention behind it. There was another man that kept the commandments since his youth. His name was Paul. He kept the commandments by what they said, but it wasn't until a moment on the road that God encountered him that he actually changed. Because his heart was actually far from God. He was not propelling the gospel in his life. Number two, next point. The gospel is propelled by service, not selfishness. Service, not selfishness. The point of the gospel has never been about living for yourself. This ruler comes to Jesus and says, what can I do to obtain eternal life? How can I get to the kingdom? And where I want to apply some pressure on you this morning is this prosperity gospel mentality. It can focus more on what I get from God What can I receive from God? But instead, I want you to ask not what can I get from God, what can I give to God? What can I give that propels his message, his purpose, his plan forward in my life? Someone needs to give praise to God for that. What can I give to God? It's not about what I can get from God. What can I give to him, the one who gave everything for me? Jesus said in order to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's a process. He's saying that before you can actually follow me, you have to first deny yourself. And when I say deny yourself, I'm not saying, saying no to that second donut. You may need to do that too. But that's not what this is about. This is not about denying yourself things from your life. It's about denying yourself control of your life. Denying yourself, taking up your cross. That's not just a singular moment. That's a decision every single day. It's a lifestyle. Jesus said, in order to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. The gospel is propelled forward when we obey and we make choices in our life to say, I will take time to give to others. A lot of you, a few months ago in the fall, you took time to give to others. We passed out boxes of food for people. You didn't have to give up your Saturday morning. You didn't have to drive all over the place in Columbus to pass out boxes, but you chose we're honest, sometimes when we serve, we do it, but we don't feel like it. You may not have felt like every Saturday morning getting up and, and helping. Let me let's me share you a, a story when I served and I didn't feel like it. A few, uh, a few years ago, we would do a float uh, for the Dublin St. Patrick's Day Parade, and uh, we, were, we were advertising the, our upcoming mega egg hunt as a church. Come and join us for the mega egg hunt. And somehow we decided the best way to promote this was to make a float and put an Easter bunny in there, waving to the kids. You know, we'd have the music pumping loud, and the bunny would need to be waving to kids. And I honestly don't remember whose fault this is. I'm not here to point fingers. I don't remember if I volunteered for this, if I was volunteered for this. But somehow I became this bunny, okay? Somehow I became the person putting on that Easter bunny suit that Saturday morning. And so I'm getting in it. And I'm like, man, this is going to be tough. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So, we're, you know, we start, and it's hot in that bunny suit, guys. It's really warm, okay? I don't do well with it being warm as is, so it, it's hot. And I'm waving to kids, and I'm like, okay, we're almost done, right? And then we turn on the main street. I was like, oh, we have so much more to go. Okay, here we go. You're still dancing and waving. And at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that's over, you know. Propelled God's kingdom forward, amen. And then they said, you know what would be great is if we had the bunny come back for the egg hunt. And he would like sit down like he's Santa Claus and have kids crawling all over him and take photos together. And guess who got to do that? I did. Apparently I did such a great job that I came back as the bunny. So I can't see anything in that suit. Kids are crawling all over me. Uh, some kids were great, but some kids were like this. Okay. Some kids didn't have as good a time. And I've learned that you can't please everyone all the time, guys. You cannot please everyone. Service. The gospel is propelled forward by our service, not our selfishness. I wanted to be selfish that day. We propel the gospel with how we serve, how we love others. Did you know here on Sunday mornings, the gospel is propelled before the worship team starts, before Pastor Chris starts a message. The gospel is actually propelled by how you interact with one another in the lobby, with how you welcome a kid into a classroom. That's how the gospel is propelled forward. After this, the young ruler he said, I've obeyed all these commandments. And then he asked his last question. He said, what else must I do? He said, is there anything else I can do to obtain eternal life? We don't know a lot about the background of this young ruler, okay? We, we don't know his background, his lifestyle, his family. It's quite possible that he was a religious lay leader. It, it's possible he was a Pharisee because of how diligently he followed the rules. He could have been a ruler of a synagogue. We don't know. But what it sounds like to me is that on the outward appearance, this guy had it all together. I think if this guy walked into our church today, we'd say, man, this guy has got it together. He is polished. He is put together. On the outside, he looked complete. But on the inside, I think he was completely empty. Because why else would someone who believes they've obeyed all the commandments and done everything else right, why else would he still feel like there was something missing? The final point, the gospel is propelled by relationship, not performance. Relationship, not performance. If we're not careful, we can shrink our walk with God down to a list of do's and don'ts. If we're not careful, we can follow the guidelines and the rule books and still feel empty inside and unfulfilled. A performance for someone is not the same as a relationship with someone. It's about a relationship with the one who created you and loves you more than anyone else. And a relationship with God can motivate you and compel you, and it propels the good news of God forward. There's literally nothing you can do to receive eternal life. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But in accepting his gift and drawing close to God, that love that we feel, we can't help but feel compassion for the lost and a desire to propel his good news into this world. Because the God that gave us his son to die on the cross and raise again on the third day, that same God is the one who wants a personal relationship with you. After the ruler asked his last question, how did Jesus respond? Verse 21, it says, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus never made a command for people to sell all that they have. Notice Jesus didn't say, go sell your possessions if you want to follow me. He says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to continue to perform for me instead of have a relationship with me, then you can go and sell all that you have. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a message in there about materialism, desiring materialism over God that will lead to destruction. But what I want you to see more than anything is that a life that intends to perform for God or gain from God is not a life that propels the gospel forward. For a minute before we close, I want to show you what happens after those three questions were asked by the ruler. Verse 22 says, The young man, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. But verse 23 says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished. They said, then who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, It's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. I'm sure that many of you have read this before. Jesus said it was impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Revelation 3 says that, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Riches can cause, if we're not careful, to have a spirit of false independence. But in thinking of the context of that day and age when Jesus said it, it says the disciples were astonished. And I didn't understand why they were confused, but Jesus was actually flipping their understanding of materialism and possession. Because in those days, wealth was often associated with God's favor and blessing. And if you had riches and wealth, it was easier to pay alms. It was easier to make sacrifices for God. So when Jesus said it was impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, the disciples were shocked. They said, if the rich can't make it, how can anyone else? But then Jesus says, by the power of man, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You see, through man's power, we can't live out a Christ-centered life through man's power, we will attempt to rely on our own goodness. We will be selfish. We will live in performance mode rather than in service mode. But with God, but with God, but with God, all things are possible. Because through the power of God, we can live in obedience. Through the power of God, we can live a life Giving lifestyle. Through the power of God, we can walk in a relationship with our God, and the gospel will be advanced. Come on, do you believe that? Clap your hands if you believe. The gospel will be moved forward. The gospel will press on. Stand on your feet this morning as we close. The gospel, not through my ability, not through a human ability, but with God, everything is possible. One more thing, and I promise we'll be done. I want to show you one more thing you see, the story of Matthew's gospel, there's it's a slight difference. Mark and Luke also have accounts of this story. And Mark is such a details guy. In Matthew verse 26, remember, before Jesus said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, he said, when he looked at the disciples, he said, he looked intently at them. The phrase looked intently was not Jesus looking down on them. I don't think it was the look your parents made when they were disappointed with you as a kid it actually implied there was a deep searching of them. Jesus was carefully considering his words. We see that that looking phrase in both Gospels, but in Mark's Gospel, it says something in addition to that. Remember the young ruler, he asked three questions. And after asking that third question in Mark's Gospel, it says this, Mark 10, 21, it says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I've read this passage before, and I've projected Jesus as being disappointed. I've projected him as being upset and frustrated with this man, but that's not what the word says. That's not the God that I serve. I want you to take heart that when we mess up, when we don't get it right, God is not up there in heaven looking disappointed at you. He is looking at you with nothing but genuine love for you. Following Jesus is not always easy. It's not always easy to hear what he's saying to us. I don't know about how you're feeling, but when I know there's unfailing love from a faithful father, that compels me to propel the gospel forward in my life. Would you bow your heads this morning? I'm gonna say a general prayer for all of us and how we can propel the gospel forward. But before I do that, I feel compelled to give an opportunity to, for someone to receive salvation. It's worth it to take this moment if there's one person in this room, if there's one person online watching, if there's one person that hears this podcast months from now, it's worth it for one person to be free from sin and free to live in a relationship with God. If that's you this morning, I want you to know that God sees you and he feels nothing but genuine love for you. If that's you with every head bowed eye closed if that's you would you raise your hand I'm not here to embarrass you I just want to celebrate with you if you have never entered into a relationship with God this is your morning this is your time if that's you would you lift your hand we want to pray with you let's pray this together would you repeat after me so we can join anyone that's entering in this relationship for the first time Jesus we thank you that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. We accept your gift of salvation. It's nothing that I earned or deserved, but you came to earth for me. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk in right relationship with you. Thank you for your freedom, in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for all of us as we lead today. Help us to propel your message forward. God, help help me not make it about me. It's about you and your people, God. Help me to walk in obedience. Help me to remember that the most important relationship in my life is my relationship with you, God. I'm not in performance mode. I'm in service mode. Help us today, God. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for being here today. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about so that you can savor the presence of Jesus in your life. Thanks again for being here. Have a great week.